Section 30 of Dedications. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Dedications by Mary Elizabeth Brown. To any and everyone. The Gull's Hornbook by Thomas Decker, 1609. To all gulls in general, wealth and liberty. Whom can I choose, my most worthy Maecenases, to be patrons to this labour of mine, fitter than yourselves? Your hands are ever open, your purses never shut, so that you stand not in the common rank of dry-fisted patrons who give nothing, for you give all. Who is more liberal than you? Who, but only citizens, are more free? Blame me not, therefore, if I pick you out from the bunch of book-takers to consecrate these fruits of my brain, which shall never die, only to you. I know that most of you, O oh admirable gulls, can neither write nor read. A horn-book have I invented, because I would have you well schooled. Paul's is your walk, but this your guide. If it lead you right, thank me. If astray... Men will bear with your errors, because you are gulls. Farewell. T.D. The gull, well known in Elizabethan literature, has been defined as a bore, posing as a wit, a fool qualifying for a sharper. The ironical tone of Decker's dedication is in keeping with that of the whole treatise, which contains rules for the gull's conduct designed to increase his offensiveness to the highest degree. At the playhouse, for instance, where he has a seat upon the stage, he is to behave after this manner, if the writer be a fellow that hath either epigrammed you, or hath had a flirt at your mistress, or hath brought either your feather, or your red beard, or your little red legs, etc., on the stage, you shall disgrace him worse than by tossing him in a blanket or giving him the bastinado in a tavern, if, in the middle of his play, be it pastoral or comedy, moral or tragedy, you rise with a screwed and discontented face from your stool to be gone, no matter whether the scenes be good or no. The better they are, the worse do you distaste them, and, being on your feet, sneak not away like a coward, but salute all your gentle acquaintance that are spread either on the rushes or on stools about you, and draw what troop you can from the stage after you. The mimics are beholden to you for allowing them elbow-room. Their poet cries, perhaps, A pox go with you! But care not you for that. There's no music without frets. The Raven's Almanac by Thomas Decker, 1609 To the Lions of the Wood, the young courtiers, to the wild bucks of the forest, the gallants and younger brothers, to the hearts of the field, and to all the whole country, that are brought up wisely, yet prove gulls, and are born rich, yet die beggars, the new English astrologer dedicateth his raven's almanac. A long satirical address follows. Scourge of Drunkenness by William Hornby 1614, published 1859, edited by J. O. Halliwell. 
to all the impious and relentless-hearted ruffians and roisters under Bacchus' regiment. Cornu apes wisheth remorse of conscience and more increase of grace. The author was a reformed drunkard. The poem he calls His Farewell to Folly, or His Metamorphosis, wherein he doth show his unfeigned hatred to evil company, such as be drunkards, swearers, and such like. The Martyrdom of St. George of Cappadocia, attributed to Tristram White, 1614. To all the noble, honourable, and worthy in Great Britain, bearing the name of George, and to all other, the true friends of Christian chivalry, lovers of St. George's name and virtues. Quoted from Wheatley's Dedication of Books. Strapado for the Devil by Richard Braithwaite, 1615. To all usurers, brokers and promoters, sergeants, catchpoles and regraters, ushers, panders, suburbs traders, cockneys that have many fathers, ladies, monkeys, parakeetos, marmosites and catamitos, monchetos, grave Gregorians and she-painters, send greeting at adventures, and to all such as be evil, my strapado for the devil. Quoted from Wheatley's Dedication of Books. Cynthia's Revels, or the Fountain of Self-Love, Ben Johnson, 1616. To the special, fountain of manners, the court. Thou art a bountiful and brave spring, and waterest all the noble plants of this island. In thee the whole kingdom dresseth itself, and is ambitious to use thee as her glass. Beware, then, thou render men's figures truly, and teach them no less to hate their deformities than to love their forms. For to grace there should come reverence, and no man can call that lovely which is not also venerable. It is not powdering, perfuming, and everyday smelling of the tailor that converteth to a beautiful object, but a mind shining through any suit which needs no false light, either of riches or honours, to help it. Such shall thou find some here, even in the reign of Cynthia, a Crites and an Arete. Now, under thy Phoebus, it will be thy pronounce to make more, except thou desirest to have thy source mixed with the spring of self-love, and so wilt draw upon thee as welcome a discovery of thy days, as was then made of her nights. Thy servant, but not slave. Ben Jonson Et habio et cario et curo a poem by john taylor the water poet sixteen twenty one to everybody yet not to every reader do i write but only unto such as can read right and with impartial censures can declare as they find things to judge them as they are toys of childhood and tricks of genius by Francesco di Quevedo Villegas, Seville, 1641. Dedication To no person of all whom God created on earth. I have considered that all writers dedicate their books with two purposes, which are seldom separated. 
one that such person should aid the publication with his blessed almsgiving, the other that he should shield the work from critics. I consider, having been a critic myself for many years, that this serves to restrain only two of those who criticise, the fool who is persuaded that the critics have some reason to swear, and the presumptuous one who pays his money for this flattery. I have determined to write helter-skelter and to dedicate my book to fools and idiots and let happen what may. Who buys it and criticises it makes a fool of himself that he has spent his money badly rather than of the author who has made him spend it badly. Let the Messinuses say and do what they will as I have never seen them in the attitude of smiting critics or paying any attention to what they say. I do see them very pacific in the matter of protection, denying all calumnies to their vassals, and never threatening a duel over the book. But I have preferred to venture rather than to be deceived. Let everybody do as they please about my book, since I have said what I wished about everybody. Goodbye, Messinus, I take leave of dedications. Chronological Abridgment or extract of the history of France by François Edu de Mezeray, sixteen seventy six. To posterity, for the perpetual glory of the triumphant reign of Louis the Great, most Christian king, always victorious, always august, who commenced to conquer as soon as to reign, who by his clemency has given tranquillity to France, and by his justice wills to give peace to all Europe, who, by the terror of his arms, has put to flight all those unfaithful to Christianity, and subdued in all places, on land and on sea, the enemies of his state and of his glory, who, by his wisdom, has restored order among the guards, in the finances and in the laws, and who, by his munificence, has raised the sciences and the fine arts to their perfection. Heaven grant that his conquests may extend as far as his renown, that the number of his years may equal that of his victories, and that the welfare of our empire may be the happiness of all the people of the earth. Matthew Pryor wrote certain well-known verses, of which Sir Walter Scott was a great admirer, in the beginning of Mezeray's History of France. Whate'er thy countrymen have done, by law and wit, by sword and gun, in thee is faithfully recited, and all the living world that view thy work give thee the praises due, at once instructed and delighted. Yet for the fame of all these deeds, what beggar in the invalides, with lameness broke, with blindness smitten, wished ever decently to die, to have been either Mezeray or any monarch he has written? etc. The No Dedication, composed by William Hogarth for a history of the acts which he never completed. The No Dedication, not dedicated to any prince in Christendom, for fear it might be thought an idle piece of arrogance, not dedicated to any man of quality, for fear it might be thought too assuming, not dedicated to any learned body of men, as either of the universities or the Royal Society, for fear it might be thought an uncommon piece of vanity. 
nor dedicated to any one particular friend, for fear of offending another, therefore dedicated to nobody. But if for once we may suppose nobody to be everybody, as everybody is often said to be nobody, then this work is dedicated to everybody, by their most humble and devoted William Hogarth, quoted from Wheatley's Dedication of Books. Modern Painters by John Ruskin, 1843 To the landscape artists of England, this work is respectfully dedicated by their sincere admirer, the author. The Proverbialist and the Poet by James Orton, 1852 To the lovers of sense shortness and salt, this work is respectfully inscribed. A Poetical Cookbook by Maria J. Moss, 1864 What's under this cover? For cookery's a secret? More. When I wrote the following pages, some years back at Oak Lodge, as a pastime, I did not think it would be of service to my fellow creatures, for our suffering soldiers, the sick, wounded and needy, who have so nobly fought our country's cause to maintain the flag of our great republic, and to prove among nations that a free republic is not a myth. With these few words, I dedicate this book to the sanitary fair to be held in Philadelphia, June 1864. My record in rebeldom, as written by friend and foe, by Lieutenant Colonel James Munro Sanderson, 1865. To my enemies and my lukewarm friends, I dedicate this book, to the first acknowledging my indebtedness, to the last that I may prove how little I owe them, the former, by their persistence in falsehood and industry in wrongdoing, have extorted my special wonder, the latter, by their unbecoming reticence and ungenerous silence, are entitled to my undisguised contempt. To the one I tender my thanks for the substantial triumph they have afforded me. To the other, my regrets that they have proven false to themselves. And to both, my congratulations that they have failed alike in their active and passive injustice, in their positive and negative wrong. Brooklyn, November 1865 Miles Standish by John S. C. Abbott 1872. To the descendants of Captain Miles Standish, now numbering thousands, this volume is respectfully inscribed, with the hope that no one of them may ever dim the luster of that name, to which the virtues of their distinguished ancestor have attached imperishable renown. Helen's Babies. Some account of their ways, innocent, crafty, angelic, impish, witching and repulsive, by John Habberton, 1876. Everyone knows that there are in the United States hundreds of thousands of fathers and mothers, each one of whom possesses the best children that ever lived. I am therefore moved by a sense of the eternal fitness of things to dedicate this little volume to the parents of the best children in the world, with the reminder that it is considered the proper thing for each person to whom a book is dedicated to purchase and read a copy. Rowlandson, the Caricaturist, 
by Joseph Grego, 1880. Dedicated to all lovers of humour. Andalusian Scenes by Serafin Estebanes Calderon, 1883. Dedication to all concerned. There is often related by tellers of tales a story curious enough which it is more appropriate that we should place here in the beginning than at the end of this little book. It is told, then, that among the many who have agitated themselves in Andalusia, that there was in Granada a certain poet with the most clever mania that can be imagined. He composed considerable with much inspiration. With something of vanity, a weakness of the calling, he sought neither Maecenas nor readers. With an excess of laziness, fruit of such trees, he did not wish to write or correct. Being very poor, an inseparable condition of the profession, he could not know exactly whether his inspirations merited the name of verses or the fresh qualification of versas. In order to emerge from so many and such diverse thoughts, a certain admirable course presented itself to his imagination which he at once reduced to practice. He stuck his head out of the window of the shack he inhabited in the suburbs of the Moorish city, and, now in the first hours of the morning, now in the reposeful hours of the siesta, inevitably and daily his voice sounded forth with an accent, now dithyrambic, now serious, now cunning and mischievous, giving vent thus to the caprices and inspirations of his muse without announcement to any one, without notice to the public, and without a message of prevention or of invitation to any living creature. Soon, out of curiosity, some listeners gathered, washerwomen, soldiers, wool-carders, tradesmen, some students, and some festal spirits, although of small importance. Well might our man, half madman, half poet, have wished to see the quality of his audience improve, now that in respects to quantity he had some encouragement. But, considering that the remedy was not in his hand, and by the rule that there is no consolation in this world except that born of conceit, he said one day, half contented, half boastful, At last I have an audience, and an audience of Spaniards. I also peeping occasionally from my window of old rags, beating and gesticulating with a flambent treatise, if I find myself with an audience wearing leather belts with pistols and other characteristics of the Spaniard in their inclinations and tastes, such as belong to the bull-slayers, horse-trainers, terrifiers of men, singers, dancers, highwaymen, and more than I know, those of boots and leggings, as of mantillas and petticoats, I also, as if I spoke with the best and most elegant readers and hearers on earth, will exclaim with tones of vanity and pride, At last, and as a crown, I have an audience, and an audience of Spaniards. If thou, who listenest, or readest, O candid hearer, or pious reader, shouldst not be one of the above-named classes, attend to what I say, before cursing me or laying me aside, which is much worse. Stop and do justice to Triano of Seville, Mercadillo of Ronda, 
Pateles of Malaga, Campillo of Granada, the low districts of Madrid, Vina de Cadiz, Santa Marina of Cordoba, the walls of Carthage, Roccapilla of Pamplona, San Pablo of Zaragoza, and other parts where Spain lives and reigns, without a mixture or cross of any foreign heresy. Then, if thou dost not read me with something of appetite and relish, give thyself over as condemned an apostate in Spanish matters. As for thee, there is no redemption, and thou art excommunicated by the utmost sentence. If, on the other hand, in this gentle and saintly company, thou hast learned now, or hast recalled what should never be forgotten, which thou wast compelled to know by memory from thy early youth, hold thyself absolved, and enter and be counted among the flock and fold of good and legitimate people, and take comfort and pleasure with me, thou reading and I relating those unparalleled scenes, those characteristically Spanish deeds of generosity and gallantry, which manifest as much gentleness in the person as they reveal strength of character. If thou art of these, receive the right of adoption and my patriarchal blessing, and may heaven grant that thou livest more years than the Constitution of 1845. Madrid, 1883. The Violin by George Hart, 1884. Inscribed to the admirers of the leading instrument at home and abroad. Three years of Arctic service, an account of the Lady Franklin Bay expedition, by Adolphus W. Greeley, 1886. To the Lady Franklin Bay expedition, these volumes are dedicated. To its dead who suffered much, to its living who suffered more. Their energy accomplished the farthest north, their fidelity wrought out success, their courage faced death undauntedly. Their loyalty and discipline in all the dark days ensured that this record of their services should be given to the world. The Gentle Art of Making Enemies by James Abbott McNeil Whistler, 1890 To the rare few who, early in life, have rid themselves of the friendship of the many, these pathetic papers are inscribed. From the Books of Lawrence Hutton 1892. To Charles B. Foote and Beverly Chu, book lovers both, this book about books. The Children of the King by F. Marion Crawford, 1893. To the Middy, the Laddie, the Mate, and the Men, the Skipper of the Old Leone dedicates this story. Ideal Suggestion Through Mental Photography by Henry Wood, 1893. Fraternally dedicated to all seekers for truth, with whom it stands above sect, system, or conventionality. Industry and Property by George Brooks, 1895. To the free and independent working men of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, and to employers and employed, throughout the civilised world. The present edition of this work is respectfully dedicated by their sincere friend and fellow worker, the author. 
A Social Departure by Sarah Jeanette Duncan, 1895. This volume, as a slight tribute to the unimportance of her opinion and a humble mark of profoundest esteem, is respectfully dedicated to Mrs. Grundy. Pony Tracks by Frederick Remington, 1895. This book is dedicated to the fellows who rode the ponies that made the tracks by the author. Sweetheart Travellers by Samuel Rutherford Crockett, 1896. Dedicated to all who have sweethearts of their own and to those others who only wish they had. Small Helps for Today, selected and arranged by Imogen Clark, 1899. To all who would make today better than yesterday, and a stepping stone unto a still better tomorrow, these small helps are affectionately dedicated. Souls in Pawn by Margaret Blake Robinson, 1900. To my friends, my readers, my critics, those present and to come, as well as to those who will taste my doctrine and label it as no good thing shall be labelled, to these four I dedicate Souls in Pawn as a mark of my affection and esteem and as a proof of my impartiality. The Trail of the Sandhill Stag by Ernest Thompson Seaton, 1900. This book is dedicated to the old timers of the big plain of Manitoba. The Salt Box House by Jane DeForest Shelton, 1900. In honour of the long ago and to those who, passing an old highway, see the signs written on moss-covered fences, in traces of old dooryards, by lone standing chimneys, and would know the interpretation thereof, to those whose pulses are stirred as they stand beneath the long sloping roofs, and whose hearts bow reverently as they read the records on the gravestones of the 1700s, this book is inscribed. The Lawson History of the America's Cup, a record of 50 years, by Winfield M. Thompson and Thomas W. Lawson, 1902. To sportsmen, mainly men, men of gentle mind and simple heart, brave men, fair men, to men who say to the weak, may I? And to the strong, I will. To men to whom sham is dishonour and truth a guiding star. To men who look upon the sea, the plain, the forest, the mountains, the rising and the setting sun, and the immutable heavens, with a deep sense of their own littleness in the great scheme of things, I dedicate this book, Thomas W. Lawson. School of the Woods by William J. Long, 1902 To the gentle brotherhood of nature lovers, I dedicate this book of nature and animal life. Following the Deer by William J. Long, 1903 to all sportsmen with kind hearts, who rejoice in the autumn woods, and to whom killing is least of the hunting, I dedicate this little book of a boy's first experience in following the deer. Old Paths and Legends of New England by Catherine M. Abbott, 1904 To those who love the old associations, 
who delight to steal away from these restless days to the tranquillity of early New England life and the simplicity of ancient homesteads, to those who fain would listen to the story of each hill, valley, tree, and brook of the old Bay State, this little book is sympathetically inscribed. The Book of Clever Beasts, Studies in Unnatural History, by Myrtle Reed, 1904. Dedicated to lovers of truth everywhere. Woodfire in Number 3, by F. Hopkinson Smith, 1905. A Word of Welcome. To those of you who love an easy chair, a mug, a pipe, and a story, to whom a well-swept hearth is a delight, and the cheery crackle of hickory logs a joy, the touch of whose elbows sends a thrill through responsive hearts, and whose genial talk but knits the circle closer, as well as those gentler spirits who are content to listen, how rare they are, do I repeat Sandy McWhirter's hearty invitation. Draw up, draw up, by the gods, but I'm glad to see you. Get a pipe, the tobacco is in the yellow jar. Yours warmly, the back log. The Log of the Water Wagon, or the Cruise of the Good Ship Lithia, by Bert Leston Taylor and W.C. Gibson, 1905. To all surviving saloon passengers of the Good Ship Lithia, who have rounded the horn and passed through perilous Beering Straits, and suffered shipwreck, shock, and sudden thirst, to those intrepid souls who have clung to the slippery hull of the water wagon when it seemed the gallant craft could not live another hour, who, lashed to the sprinkler, have ridden out many a choking dust storm, who have heard the café Lorelei sing and still hung on, deaf to her seductive song, and to the memory of countless thousands lost at sea, swept into the seething drink without a word of warning, cut off in the blossoms of their resolutions, and sent to their slate accounts with all their imperfections on their heads. This little volume is affectionately dedicated. At the Sign of the Fox by Mabel Osgood Wright, 1905 This book is for the brave. Prate not to me of weaklings, who lament this life and naught achieve. I hymn the vast and valiant crew, of those who have scant time to grieve. Time set their fortunes to retrieve, they sing for luck a lusty stave. The world's staunch workers by your leave, this is the ballad of the brave. Richard Burton Briar Patch Philosophy by Peter Rabbit, interpreted by William J. Long, 1906 To those who have found their own world to be something of a briar patch, the rabbit dedicates this little book of cheerful philosophy. Clovers and How to Grow Them by Thomas Shaw, 1906 To all persons who are or may be interested in the growing of clovers, this work is most respectfully dedicated by the author. The History of Our Navy by John R. Spears, 1907 to all who would seek peace and pursue it. Three Vagabonds in Friesland with a Yacht and a Camera by H. F. Tomalin, 1907 
to the distinguished many who pursue the simple life in unsought places, the legion of vagabonds. Mind and Work by Luther H. Gulick, 1908 To those who would compel, rather than be compelled, by circumstance, who would drive, rather than be driven, by their feelings, who would be masters of themselves, and so of fate. Little Brown Jug at Kildare by Meredith Nicholson, 1908 To You at the Gate Felice by John Luther Long, 1908 To the gentle strangers in our gates, who speak in other words and understand in other ways than ours, that both words and ways may be more and more one. This dedication refers to Italians. The Wrong and Peril of Woman Suffrage by James M. Buckley, 1909 To men and women who look before they leap. Houses of Glass by Helen G. Mackey, 1909 To someone who will never read them. The Beast by Judge Ben B. Lindsay and H. J. O'Higgins, 1910 to those who have helped, the hundreds whose names I have not had room to mention, the thousands whose names I do not even know. B. B. L. The Hollow Tree Snowed in Book by Albert Bigelow Payne, 1910 To all dwellers in the big deep woods of dream. Clamstead Quarries by Mary E. Waller, 1910 To those who toil. From Me to You, A Gift of Friendly Thoughts by Edwin Osgood Grover, 1911 To everyone who has given me his friendship. The Song of Rennie by Maurice Hewlett, 1911 Dedication To the fountain of my long dream, to the chalice of all my sorrow, to the lamp held up and the stream of light that beacons tomorrow. To the bow, the quiver, and dart, to the bridle rein, to the yoke, proudly upborne to the heart, on fire to the mercy stroke. To Apollo herding his cattle, to Proserpina grave in dis, to the high head in the battle, and the crown, I consecrate this. The Quiet Courage by Everard Jack Appleton, 1912. To the men who understand, or think they do. The Half Timber House by Alan W. Jackson, 1912. To all those who own castles in Spain. When the Forests Are Ablaze by Catherine B. Judson, 1912. To the mountaineers whose object it is to preserve the marvellous beauty of the Pacific Northwest and who are yearly appalled by the havoc of the forest fires. False Modesty by E. B. Lowry, 1912 Dedicated to the Next Generation Friar Tuck by Robert Alexander Mason, 1912 Many there are who respond to the commonplace, monotonous call of duty and year after year uncomplainingly spend their lives on the treadmill of routine but who still feel in their hearts the call of the open road 
the music of the stars, the whine of the western wind, and the thrilling abandon of a mad gallop out beyond speed limits and grass signs to where life has ceased to be a series of cogs, and a man is still a man. To the members of this fraternity, whose emblem, hidden behind deep and steadfast eyes, is often missed by man, but always recognised by dogs and horses, I dedicate this book, in the hope that for an hour or two it may lift the pressure a little. The Spiritual Body in Relation to the Divine Law of Life by the Reverend George H. Peake, 1912 We dedicate this book to the great army of sorrowing souls who in the hour of distress earnestly seek, yet fail to find consolation through the ordinary channels of truth presented. An Unsinkable Titanic, Every Ship Its Own Lifeboat by J. Bernard Walker, 1912 To the memory of the Chief Engineer of the Titanic, John Bell, and his staff of 33 assistants, who stood at their posts in the engine and boiler rooms to the very last and went down with the ship, this book is dedicated. Sunshine on Life's Way by Floyd W. Tompkins 1913 Dedicated to the wayfarers who find the journey long and the weary who seek rest for their souls. Downland Corner by Victor L. Whitechurch 1913 To all who know and love and understand a little of the quaint conceits, the hidden mysteries and the awkwardness of village life, I dedicate these studies. Joy of Tyrrell, A Human Revelation, edited by J. M. Blake, with 111 original illustrations, drawn by the lady, N.D. Dedicated by order of the lady to all such as be hindered from the joy of Tyrrell. Two dedications, which have unfortunately been detached from the books to which they belong, ought nevertheless to be included in an anthology that has aimed to leave no form of dedication unrepresented. The author of one, preserving a reticence rarely to be found in dedications, inscribes his book mysteriously, To her who is yet to be named. The author of the other, with a frank avowal of his wishes almost equally rare, addresses Mr. Smith, with the hope that he will purchase a copy. This book may well conclude with the appeal to Mr. Smith. End of section 30 End of Dedications by Mary Elizabeth Brown